Today I'd like to begin by talking about weddings. I love weddings. I especially like a, a Protestant wedding that's nice and short. But there's lots of things I like about weddings. Uh, I love how much they cost. I mean, if, if any of you have seen the cost of weddings, it's so fun. So the, the inflated prices of everything, it's so awesome. I love the pageantry. Um, I'm actually conducting two wedding ceremonies myself this fall for someone here who's here today. And also my brother is getting married to his longtime girlfriend. And all the things that go into a wedding with the pageantry and who's going to sit with who and who's going to walk with who. And I love an overly involved mother-in-law on both sides of the family. I love all the things. I'm just curious, what do you, does anyone here also like weddings or love weddings? Am I the only one? Yeah, you do? What, what do you guys love about weddings? What, anything? Dance it, the dancing. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Do you have a favorite song that you dance to? Thanks for saying something. <laughs> so that I can work with. <laughs> it's hilarious. Anyone else? Uh, you also like dancing? You like the cake? Ooh, yeah. Um, never eat the cake. But that's good for you. And uh, so, yeah, there's all these things that I love. But one of the things I love the most about the wedding is the ceremony. Oh yeah, I forgot one thing I want to mention. I always pay attention to centerpieces. I always, I'm like, this is a lovely centerpiece. And I go to the mother and the mother-in-law and I'm like, that's a great centerpiece. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, really. And uh, I love that. But the thing I love most about weddings is that moment where the groom is in the front and the bride comes from the back usually, and she's starting to walk, and it's that moment where the bride and the groom see each other in that moment, and they get really excited. And if you're in the audience, you're usually looking for her, and then you always see everyone swing back to see what his face is like. And sometimes he's crying, and sometimes he has a goofy grin, and sometimes he's just like, ah, I can't believe I'm here, why am I doing this? But like, it's something. I love that moment because like, it's this powerful excitement on both of their eyes and they're looking at each other and she's making her way down and they're like, the world has never seen a love like ours before. And everyone's so excited for them and it's that, there's that excitement. There's that exciting moment. Well, the reason I bring that up is that there's a person in the Bible that mentions a very similar situation, that excitement when you see each other. And it's from the story of John the Baptist. John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. And John the Baptist has this moment where he talks about the bridegroom and how excited he is. And here's what he says. In uh, John chapter 3, he says, After this, Jesus and his disciples went out to the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John, who also was baptizing at Enon near Salim, because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put into prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he's baptizing and everyone is going to him. And to this John replied, a person can, only re can receive only what was given 
them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater, and I must become less. And I want to focus on this line that he must become greater and I must become less. But let me give you some content and some context for what's going on here. Jesus is on the scene. He's showing up, he's healing people, he's teaching, and he's baptizing people. But before Jesus got on the scene, John the Baptist was on the scene. And he was teaching, and he was preaching, and he was baptizing, and he was making disciples. And then there's this strange moment where John is at the top of his game. He is the number one prophet in all of Israel. Can you imagine you being at the top of your game? You're at the top of the game. The entire country listens to what you say. They listen to everything you got to say. And they go, well, you're listening to him. He's interesting. He's doing interesting things. Plus, he's a little weird. He eats locusts and wears leather belts and hangs out. And so he's kind of like different. And he's like cool. And so like we're all going out to the desert to hear him. He's at the top of his game, okay? And his disciples are like, this other dude's starting to gain. This other dude's starting to gain popularity. This other dude's gaining followers. The one that you prophesied about, he's starting to become popular, and as a response, John the Baptist gives this illustration where he says, think about the excitement. Think about the excitement. And there used to be these attendants, like a, bride, like a bride would go to a groom, or no, a groom would come find a bride, and there'd be an attendant that would be waiting, and then uh, at some point the groom would be like, hello, I'm here, and then this uh, attendant would get super excited. This attendant was excited that the thing that was supposed to happen was happening. And John says, that's what I'm like. I'm not threatened by Jesus. I'm not threatened by his authority. I'm not threatened the fact that he's going to become more popular than me. This is what I'm excited about. This was the whole purpose that I came here for, was to introduce him. I was here to set the stage. And this is exactly like the promised Messiah was supposed to come. And what I'm telling you, my disciples, this is not about competition. This is not about me being jealous. And you shouldn't be jealous either. It isn't about us maintaining this thing that we're growing. This is about being faithful and recognizing that the God of the universe has come into human form and he's going to be with us here. And he's going to do something that none of us could do, not even me. And there's something that we can learn from this for the here and now. And he says, he says, he must become greater and I must become less. Like he had this willingness at the top of his game. He knew his place in the universe. And his place in the universe wasn't to maintain success and popularity and baptize people and influence the country for a good cause forever. His purpose in life was to pave the road, to be the guy that walks down ahead of him, to set the tone for the real one to come. And that was Jesus. And this idea of Jesus becoming greater and John becoming less, this is really important for us as we think about what we're going to do this fall. 
as people start to come into this church once again, as we launch our community groups, as you start to form new friendships with new people that are coming into this thing, the whole idea of we've got to become a place where we meet and we become people where we make space in our heart where Jesus becomes greater and we ourselves become less. There's something in John where he's like, I'm, I'm not going to do my agenda. I'm making space for the God of the universe. I'm making space for Jesus to do more. It's not my way. It's not my agenda. It's his way. And when I think about me, when I think about us, when I think about our church, or I think about any Jesus follower who's across the United States that's sitting in strange rows facing one direction at a church this morning, this is the message of Jesus. Jesus demands that we follow him, and he's the kind of God that loves us, but he wants to be greater in you. He wants to influence you more. And what he's saying is, is that he loves you and he cares about you, but that he also knows better than you. And he knows better than me. And there's something about yielding the control of our life that matters. And it matters to him. And it should matter to us. Because as we yield control, our lives change. And we're actually living the way life is supposed to be lived. Are, we, are you following me? Are you, is this making sense? Should I start over from the beginning? You know what? I love weddings. I won't start over. <laughs> I've been, I was thinking about this uh, for me. Uh, earlier, I was in the car. I was, we have an electric car, and so I was charging it at the charging station, and I was reviewing these notes. And I felt like God was speaking to me about something, and it, it was almost like freeing. It felt like this. It felt like he was saying that I only have to do what God has called me to do. And I don't have to do anything else. I don't have to do anything more. I don't have to have one single more conversation than I ought to. I don't have to, I shouldn't do any less, but I don't have to do any more. And I felt like this was comforting to me because I'm the kind of personality that overfunctions on behalf of God. Like, I feel like, yeah, God's given me a picture. God's given me a vision. I want to do a bunch of things. I'm going to go out and I'm going to seize the day. I mean, but the people that kind of did that kind of stuff did, also did the crusades. So what I want to do is be careful. I don't want to be a crusader for Christ. I want to be the kind of person that only does what only I can do. And I don't, he was speaking, I think, to my overfunctioning on his behalf. And in this temptation, I think that this, these disciples didn't mean to be tempting John the Baptist, but they kind of were. There was this temptation to overfunction on behalf of doing the right thing. And I got to say this too, that the thing I was feeling for myself in my electric car as the sun was beaming in my eyes and I was looking at my notes, I was, I was just, I was relieved. And I was also relieved for you that you don't have to overfunction on behalf of God, that you don't have to overfunction even in your own life because if you're a follower of Jesus, you've yielded control of your life to Jesus. And so the point is, is that you only can do what only you can do and you don't have to overfunction. And in that, you can allow him to be greater in your, in your proper level of functioning. Now, you know, you're sitting here and I'm here and, you know, some of you have been here since the beginning when we launched four years ago and you've seen this church go up and down and COVID sucks and I don't want to keep talking about it, but I will. Um, well, because I feel bad for myself. 
feel bad that I launched a church with you guys, grew a church, shrunk a church, became an online preacher. That sucked. Can I allowed to say sucked? Because it stunk. No one wanted to watch me online except for Patrick. Um, don't, don't talk. I didn't ask you to both talk about what Patrick likes. He liked it. He liked the YouTube. He did not. Um, and it, it sucks. And so there's all these, there's this thing where like, I, I feel and you feel at times that we have to, we have to do more. And I don't get this from this. John was clear. I got to do what only I can do. And in some ways, if I do what I'm going to do, it's not going to be about me. It's not going to be about my thing. It's going to be about him. It's going to be about Jesus. There's a quote from Eugene Peterson who wrote the Bible, or at least a version of it, called The Message. And uh, I'm going to read that quote to you right now. Uh, it says, to follow Jesus implies that we enter into a way of life that is given character and shape and direction by the one who calls us. There's this interplay with like, we kind of lead our own lives, but we make space for God to shape our inclinations, our hearts. God is shaping, like, like he wants to speak into how we do our life. You dig what I'm saying? And the Holy Spirit, who Jesus gave to us, he speaks to us now. And for some of you, he wants to become greater and he wants your ideas to become less in your romantic relationships. How you do those things. You have your ideas, but the Lord of the universe has his. And he's interested in speaking into those things. For some of you, he must become greater and I must become less. Is your ideas about money? And my ideas about money, finances, how we earn, how we give, how we save, how we spend. For others of us, it's he must become greater, I must become less. It has something to do with holding on to the thing in that relationship with somebody where you just, I mean, you've forgiven them because you don't want to, you know, be in trouble with God or whatever you think. But there's something about holding on to something where you really, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a bitterness to it. There's something that hasn't been released to God. You're still holding on to un, unforgiveness on some level. And just like John was making space by saying he must become greater, I must become less. These would be examples of kind of like him becoming greater, his influence, his ideas uh, becoming greater. And the way God speaks is he often speaks to our hearts and to our minds. And generally I know when God is speaking to me about something that he wants to become greater in my life because I avoid thinking about it. I'm like, oh no, he could not be talking about that thing in my finances. I don't want to even think about it. Why even bother thinking about it? Why should I even bother thinking about it? Because it doesn't matter because it's already good. I'm good in that area. The very fact that I, if there's any, here's what I know God might be speaking to. If there's any place that you're resistant to think about because of the ramifications of you having to be open to what he might say, that might be the very place where God wants to become greater. Do I need to say that again? 
I don't think I could say that again, but I'll try. Uh, just that when, like, if there's a place where you're hesitant to think about or talk about with another person because you're afraid of what the result of that might be, whether that person who's hearing from God or what God might speak to your heart or mind through the power of his spirit might say to you, if there's any resistance, that is your cue to pay attention to that area because that may very well be the place that you're trying to protect where you're trying to become greater, where God wants to become greater. Last thing, and then I, I want to get out of here. Um, what I love about John the Baptist's story here is he talks about the groom and the attendant and the bride, and there's like excitement around it. He's, like, he's excited. The attendant's like, oh, goody, the groom is here, Right? And, um, right, right, and um, he's excited by it, and the groom's excited, and the bride, bride's excited. Everything's exciting. And he takes that energy, and he's like, you know what I'm excited about? Me becoming less. Me yielding my life and spending it like spare change in pocket. In my po in God, I'm spare change in God's pocket. I'm going to become less. I am yielding the power and the influence to the Messiah, to Jesus. It's almost like he's excited by the fact that he's doing something. And so I just want to challenge you as much as it's challenging for me. What would it look like to get excited and to go against everything in your instincts to protect and to internally negotiate in the places where God is putting his hand in your life and to cheer for his presence like a bride and a bridegroom cheer. What would it look like where you're like, oh no, I mean, of course you're going to have the oh no moment. Oh no, he's speaking to me about my finances to yes. Yes, I'm going to get challenged. I'm going to welcome God's power and presence and his ideas for my finances. I'm not going to spend more than I make. Yes. <laughs> what would it look like? Or what would it look like to invite that excitement into your romantic relationships or into your marriage or invite that excitement into like, yes, I get to figure out a way to forgive this person that I can't stand. And you get that energy from John the Baptist and we've got to have that energy. I just think that we should have that energy too, that we get excited. We get excited to him, for him to become greater in areas of our lives and for us to become less. Does this make sense? And I'd encourage you, run the opposite direction of your instincts, which are to protect yourself from the influence of somebody like God trying to change you and run towards it and just fake it till you make it. Be excited. Be excited about what he's trying to do in you. Because what we get from Jesus is that he is a good God that loves us and for him to become greater in our lives really is a good thing for you. Don't run from it. Well, as a church... Uh, I expect things to change over the coming months. Uh, I expect people to start wandering in here looking for God. And as a church, I am encouraging us, as much as I'm trying to encourage myself here, that Jesus must become greater and we must become less as a church. 
And um, as we do that, here's a couple of things that we're focusing on. I've got a little list. Here's our month of September. Uh, there's a Vision Sunday on, on September 4th. If you missed it, check us out at pacificcitychurch.com. And on September 11th, which is today, this is preparing for Jesus. How do we prepare for Jesus? We recognize that he must become greater and we must become less even in our own lives. And then next Sunday um, is kind of our like big, you know, start back up. So um, if you're here this week, figure out a way to come back next week and bring a friend. And this is really where we're going to roll out all the things that we're up to. We're going to be rolling out our new, launching our new groups in the next couple of weeks, launching some of our new ministry projects with Harvest Home and a few other places. And uh, we're going to be uh, getting more involved in the community. And then people are going to start to throw uh, more social gatherings um, Summer's just crazy. People are all around. So the fall, this is happening. So come back next week. Be a part of the celebration. I'm going to be talking about Luke 4. Uh, and in Luke 4, Jesus talks about he's come to save uh, or come to bring freedom and sight for prisoners and the blind. And then I'm going to share part of my personal testimony and what God did in my family. He freed our family from some things. Um, and it's going to be fun. So I hope you can uh, make it. And then uh, on the 25th, we are doing something with our new series called Big Dreams, Big Vision. And uh, we're launching All Things Community and we're throwing a breakfast party afterwards. So make plans for that. Um, so for September 18th, this is really going to be fun. This is a key Sunday when people start to show up and come back. Um, I didn't make that up. It's statistics uh, that show that this Sunday and next Sunday are when people start to kind of make it a thing. And Sunday Sunday's kind of important, and I think that we should be here as a sign and witness and a foretaste of what God's doing. Uh, and uh, we just, I think it's just important for us all to be here and then help people make their way into community groups. Uh, so how can you help? Uh, if you um, see something, say something. Uh, and what do I mean by that? Um, there's going to be people wandering around like, where am I in the right place? Yeah, you're at elementary school. Duh, where else would a church be? Uh, and helping them get connected and treat people like how you wanted to be, how want to be treated or how people treated you when you first came to this church, which is you go, hi, my name is, and you introduce yourself. How can I help you find anything? And please be normal. And uh, <laughs> I know that's hard for church people. I'm working on it myself. And so uh, just con connect with people, conversate with people, and so on. And so that'll be our, our Sunday there. On the 25th, we're throwing a party. Uh, there's going to be, it's probably going to be outdoors because this room might be occupied, but it'll be really fun. Outdoor service, sunny and beautiful. And then here's our schedule for the fall. Um, so Big Dreams, Big Vision teaching schedule. We're kind of following the model of Encounter God, Discover Community, Love the World. Then we're doing a Pack City social focus, which is like how we connect with people in the city in terms of how we share our faith and how we throw really good parties. And uh, we're going to be foc focusing on uh, Pack City women and some of uh, the things that uh, will be um, important for us as a church. That's going to be by, led by Dr. Kate Paper. Uh, that's going to be great. And uh, really, well, it, it better be. Okay, so no, I'm just kidding. It's going to be great. The last one was great. They wouldn't hear preach last time? That was so good. I immediately walked off. She walked off. I'm like, can you do that again? And she's like, I knew you were going to do that. That's confidence right there. Anyway, so Paddock City family focus. And then we're going to conclude uh, with uh, dream and vision blockers. There's things that actually can keep us from chasing down the vision that God has for us. 
We have a few other series planned after that, but I thought I'd want to show that to you. Listen, we're going to wrap up right now. And remember, remember John the Baptist. He must become greater. We must become less. Make space for all that God wants to say and do in your life. And if you do, it will go well with you. Amen? Why don't we all stand? So we're going to worship one more time. And um, as they are leading, I want to um, I want to pause because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. And so if you want to hear from God, I encourage you to open your heart uh, right now. Uh, if it helps, you can do an outward posture by opening your hands, but it's not required. And really the opening your hands is not magical. It's just a way for us to say, this is my inward posture, God. I'm open to you. So as we pause, I'm going to ask God to speak to you. Say, and this, is, this, one's, this one's going to hurt a little bit. But I'm going to ask God, I'm going to say, God, can you speak to each person here about a way or two uh, that you might want to be greater in their life? So I'll pray that right now. God, I ask that you would come right now in your power. And you begin to speak to people. Is there an area of their life that you want to become greater and they should become less? I ask that you would touch them with your loving touch, that you would lead them, that you would whisper the gentle truth of what you're trying to do. So speak to each person here, God. God.